Greetings, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Communication Guru Podcast, where we believe it is not always what you say, but how you say it that matters the most. I'm your host, Tim McMurtry, President and CEO of Tim McMurtry International LLC, a business consultancy specializing in personal development and training, government and public affairs, along with corporate and community relations. I'm delighted to have you join us and I thank you for your listenership and viewership of this show. As you know, our aim on this platform is to discuss nuances and insights relative to the communication continuum to help you maximize the impact and results of effective communication within your own various spheres of influence, be it your business, your relationships, and or your workplace. We're here to help you become a top-notch communicator. So be sure to like, share, and subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified when new episodes are released and are available for consumption. Now, there's an adage that says the children are our future. In fact, Whitney Houston had a song that she sung about, like the head, head go. I believe the children are our future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier to... I don't know all the words, but it's the spirit of the song that you got to capture. Amen? Amen. And while I agree that children are indeed our future, I also would like to expand that notion to say that children are our now, our present, not just the future. You see, the American history has been dotted with contributions of young people. My dad is a Vietnam veteran. He went to Vietnam as a teenager. So our wars have been fought by teenagers. A lot of the different trends that you see are set by teenagers. In fact, if you go to Madison Avenue, a lot of the advertising, there's billions of dollars spent every year geared toward who? Teenagers. And so our youth aren't just our future. They are also our now. So from the Vietnam War to labor in factories and beyond, youth or young people have been in the mix. And when you layer that with language or communication styles, lingo, phrases, etc., young folks are all on top of all of that. Now, I have a 20-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter. And I, you know, if I admit it myself, I'm a pretty cool dude. Matter of fact, I'm one of the coolest people I know personally. But every once in a while, my kids will give me the vibe that I'm a little whack on some stuff because I ain't as hip as they are to the latest and the greatest. You know what I'm saying? So I still have to adjust some of my communication styles to them to meet them where they are because they matter, they have influence, and I want to put in them the ability to do what they need to do to be productive citizens as they continue to grow and progress. So with that said, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by my good friend and young people whisperer. The Sterling Roberts. Sterling serves as the area director for Young Life Milwaukee, a youth evangelism and character and leadership development organization targeting middle school and high school students. He's also a married father of three, so he is deeply ensconced in youth culture. Welcome to the show, Sterling. I appreciate you coming on and joining us today. 
Thank you very much, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate the invitation. Word up. So tell us a little bit more about your background and how you got involved in the youth services arena. So I've been involved with youth for the past 25 years. Wow. Got involved with youth after graduating high school, went off to college, and learned about this organization called Young Life, which was a, a youth ministry that has been around since 1941 and does outreach ministry to high school and middle school students. The goal is to reach students or kids that don't go to church. And my sister was a volunteer in Montgomery, Alabama, and I attended Auburn University at Montgomery for school. And so she said, hey, why don't you be a Young Life leader? Never heard of Young Life, but she invited me to a Young Life camp in North Carolina called Windy Gap. And I went to go visit, and it was a week long. They promised it's going to be the best week of your life. It was the best week of my life. I mean, I had never <laughs> seen anything like it. And left camp, I mean, that experience stuck with me for years. I can still tell you 20-some years later, like I can describe the experience and what I was thinking and feeling while I was there. And I just left there on a high, and I wanted to get involved and wanted to impact students for Christ. Wow, wow. Let me just give a little quick little sidebar shout-out now. Sterling, I've known for a couple of years now, and I'm also involved with Young Life. I am the board chair for the organization, the local chapter. And prior to becoming board chair, Sterling would always talk about, man, you got to come to camp. You got to come to camp. Now, I'd have been to camp. I went to Camp Minicani with the YMCA back in the day when I was about 10 or 11. And so I'm thinking you got the little tent you got to set up. You got a little flashlight. You might be eating off the land, outdoorsy type stuff. He was like, nah, bro, that ain't quite it. It's actually like a five-star resort. And I'm like, okay, yep. he gassing me. You know what I'm saying? Because folks like to exaggerate. Well, it's going to be this and this. And you get there and be like, Joker, you faked me out. This ain't nothing like what you said it was going to be. Anyway, short story shorter. I went there and y'all, when you talk about five-star resort, I'm talking about the facilities. You felt like, almost like when you walk in and you almost feel like you got to whisper because it's so fresh and so clean. <laughs> so like, oh my God. It was that. And they also, for guests, had a house, like house host. You're staying in this resort. I'm talking about five-star accommodations. You got the little terrace that you can go off on and just kind of chill out, do your little rocking chair thing. I mean, it was really, really five-star. And the thing about it for me was the accommodations for the youth are also equally five-star. So if you are a young person, think about Great America or your best theme park raised to the level of 17, and you got some fat accommodation. So suffice it to say that the camp is no joke. I can see why you were hooked from that first experience, <laughs> yeah. and oh my God. So I can share more about that later, but I'm going to continue on with my interview here with Mr. Roberts. So Young Life seems like it's kind of unique. You have, I guess, a differentiation between Young Life's ministry and maybe youth group or youth ministry at churches. Can you talk a bit more about the unique Young Life model and what it's based on and how it's able to reach out to young people? So when I got involved with Young Life and I learned the philosophy, and that was one of the things that even just the camp experience. I grew up going to church, accepted Christ as a middle school student, and so I'm involved in church a whole lot. And then when I go to the Young Life camp, and I know this was about ministry, and I had seen ministry through church and did things like that, but this was so different because it was fun. It was really all about having fun. 
And growing up in the church, you got to go to church. You got to have a serious face and serious look. And there wasn't a whole lot of fun happening because you got to be serious about God. God doesn't play. And so that stood out to me. And then it wasn't this in your face, turn or burn. It wasn't like if you don't accept Jesus today, you're going to die and go to hell. Or people who were forcing you to believe in something without hearing your perspective or people who didn't care about what you thought and what you were experiencing. It was about caring for kids. It was about caring for who they were as a person, not just saying, here's what I believe and you need to believe it too. And so as I got involved and understood the philosophy and the methodology of Young Life, it was like, man, this is how it should be because it comes from the motto of Jesus himself. And so it begins with relationship. Kids don't care what you have to say unless they know you care. And so it's not just about let's build a program and tell you what we think you should know. It's what's your name? Tell me about yourself. Let me get to know you for who you are and understand what's going on in your world. Because the reality about God is that he loves you. He cares about you. And the best way to communicate that and show that is by the individuals who walk into a kid's life who represent Christ to take a personal interest in the kid. And as you do that, kids feel comfortable. Their walls come down because they understand that you're not just here with an agenda to do what you're coming to do and teach them what you want them to know. But they really come to a place where they understand where you just care about them. And that is what gives us the ability to now invite kids to programmatic settings, one we call Club, which is our platform to share the gospel. Now, Club is not your youth group where you're sitting down and going through the book of John, scripture by scripture, line by line, but it's actually the whole environment from the time a kid walks in to the time a kid walks out. It is a fun environment. Fun is engaging. Fun is relevant to the culture of teenagers. They want to have fun. If they are bored, they check out. And so it's fun and it's also relevant to the idea of we're trying to reach kids that may not believe in Jesus, could care less about Jesus, or they have these assumptions about God because of their experiences in church. And so they've kind of rejected it. So we, our approach is more, hey, come, you're going to be blown away because when you walk in, you're going to be greeted. You're going to have fun. You're going to have some snacks. You're going to be doing crazy things, pie in the eye and all this stuff, things that you would never associate with church or ministry or Jesus. But in that whole experience, there's a time where we will then stand up and we will share the gospel. And what's unique and different is that, first of all, I've had fun. People actually know my name and care that I'm here. And then on top of that, the people who are sharing are people who have spent time with me. They've come to the cafeteria and hung out with me, had lunch with me, may have helped me go apply for a job or may have taken me out to eat at a restaurant or I've been to the house. This is a person who I know who cares about me and understands my world. So when they stand up to speak, I'm going to listen because we're cool. That's Mr. Sterling. Oh, he cool. You know, we hang out. And so it's not just some random stranger who doesn't feel them or understand their reality. Right, right. And I just want to add, you said some really, really important things there. One, for those of you all who either work with youth, you have young people, or you have any sort of sphere of influence with young people, that fun factor. Kids want to have fun. And as a former youth pastor myself, and, you know, a dad of some young people even now, 
I underestimated just the power and importance of fun. When I went to the camp with Young Life right before COVID, and one of the things that was pretty infectious was this sense of fun and atmosphere just for me to kind of just sit back and observe the kids having, I'm talking about the time of their lives because you had water sports, you had basketball, you had mountain bike riding, just anything you can associate with fun. And for guys, it was some little young girls there too. So it was some cutie pies and they always be fun too. And so I had to even partake in some of the stuff. I jumped in the pool and was doing in the little lake area or whatever. So it was really, really great. But one of the most powerful things for me was every night after the fun stuff, in the evening, you would have a service where the ministry of the gospel would be shared with the young people. And it wasn't like after all the fun, we're just going to immediately cut to the gospel. Turn the Bible to John 5 and 6. Uh-uh. You came in, they played some music, kind of had like some praise and worship before the ministry of the word. But even with the music, check me out here. At first, I didn't really know some of the songs. You know what I'm saying? I ain't no human jukebox. So I don't know all the songs anyway. But a couple of the songs, it didn't sound like it was Kurt Franklin. It didn't sound like Ty Trebet. It didn't sound like Heel Song. It sounded a little secular. Now, like, wait a minute, is that Beyonce? Hey, they opened up some of the songs with like a Beyonce, I mean, top 40 pop culture. Why? Because that's where kids are. And it was a revelation that, hey, man, this is not sacrosanct to go ahead and meet kids where they are. And what it did, well, I mean, the kids knew all the lyrics to the song. So the kids are baked into the environment. And unless you have your child locked away in the basement, bubble wrapped in a cage, they're going to be exposed to culture. So why not leverage culture to the advantage of sharing the gospel with them? And I thought that was genius that that happened like that. And then after the first two or three songs that was Beyonce now, Taylor Swift or whatever, then they got into the Hillsong stuff because the kids by this time, arms up, waving from side to side. Now their hearts are open to receive the gospel. Now we can play a Hillsong song or a Kirk Franklin song. It was a, I had never seen that before in ministry. And it was a revelation on this is how you one, effectively communicate to this particular audience. And number two, this is how you can open them up to be predisposed to the good news of the gospel. I just thought that was awesome. Yeah. And you just said it. Part of the thing is, and see, I had to learn this too. When I got involved with Young Life, I was blown away. I'm like, okay, we singing secular songs? We doing this? It's supposed to be about Jesus? And, you know, and growing up in the church, that's the devil. We don't do that yeah. stuff. But I was taught this, the fact of is that, hey, okay, this is the world these kids come from. You can't just take them out of their element and then shut everything down that they know and then say, hey, take all of this. It's a give and a take. And like you said, you meet them where they are. You let them know, hey, we understand your world, we understand you, and we're going to give you a little bit about what makes you feel comfortable, what you enjoy, but then we're going to expose you to a little bit about what we value and where we come from. And slowly but surely, the fact that we give them a little bit of their world, now, like you said, they're open and okay with taking a little bit of the other world. But it's just like when I first got saved, the first thing, you can't listen to secular music. You can't listen to Tupac and NWA, whoever, right? And so your parents want to just Take away all the secular music, right? Right. But when you do that, when you just take away everything and give nothing, no alternative or nothing, it's just like 
that space is going to be filled somehow, yes, somewhere. Sir. Yes, sir. So it's wise to kind of gradually ease, gradually ease mm-hmm. or wane people off of things and not just make it this big thing. And really, the ultimate thing is this. The Christ is the one that changed the heart. Mm. So you're not looking to be the one to say, take everything away. The more they know Jesus and know his love for them and they fall in love with him, God will begin to take away those things that are unlike him. So we depend on the Holy Spirit, which is why we don't have to do that turn or burn and force you. By the time we leave, you're going to know Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a scripture that says that Bobby lifted up. I will draw all men unto me. So our role as laborers, if you will, in the field is just to get folks, youth included, exposed to Christ. The Holy Spirit will do the rest in terms of drawing them in, helping them to craft and mold their life the way it ought to be. And, you know, hunger and thirst for more of who he is and things that are contrary to that life they will become less attractive. But that's not something that we can manufacture. We say, hey, we're going to expose you to the gospel and the love of God itself will add its own stickiness to you to where you will be able to crave more of that. Let me ask you this. Communication to any audience is important, especially with young people. That said, with the young life earning the right to be heard, that is a central factor to the Young Life way of doing things. And as you know, over the last 18 months or so, we've went through an unforeseen pandemic with the COVID-19 piece. How has that impacted the ability to communicate with young people here at the local Young Life Milwaukee level? So for us, the communication with kids is always, I mean, I would say three things. I mean, it's what really what any individual, any human being really needs. One, there is honesty. There is listening. <laughs> it's not just your way or what you have to say, but listening to what, how they think and how they feel. And then also vulnerability. Kids, number one, they always say, keep it real, keep it 100. They want to be told truth and not told fluff. They also want people to listen to them. You may not always have to agree. My wife taught me that, but at least listen. And then also the other thing is being vulnerable. We can spend so much time acting like we're perfect and we have everything together. And kids think that way anyway. Well, you're an adult. You got everything together. And we don't. The more we can share about our childhood, the more we can identify, even as you mentioned, talking to your kids and how they think, yeah, daddy ain't as hip and don't know so much. Even as I'm talking to my sons, I'm reminding myself of, you know, I thought the same way when I was a kid. I thought I knew. And (laughs) I'm reminding myself because it helps me to remember, okay, I was the same way they were, and it helps me to be more effective in what I have to communicate with them. And so those three things will never change. As it comes to the pandemic, I mean, the pandemic has just pretty much exacerbated what technology has already done. Kids are, they want everything quick. They don't really have long attention spans. And we see how they text now. Everything is shorthand. Everything is, I mean, they want to talk through text. I mean, I'm like, I can't talk through no text. <laughs> Call me. <laughs> right. I can't say everything I'm thinking. I can't switch a thought and, and give a caveat or preface everything. I need to talk vocally. But anyways, they have a short attention span. And then they're not really paying attention sometimes. They don't even really know how to communicate how they feel. And then the pandemic has kind of made it a challenge in the sense of, 
I mean, for us, they've just kind of been kind of ghosts in their own world. And so it's kind of been hard to catch up because I think they're all dealing with this reality and how that's impacting them. But one of the things I would think is important is that as we understand how technology and social media and being able to do everything through internet, even video games. I grew up playing video games. I'm in the room with my brothers. We looking at each other and looking at the screen together and we playing each other. Now, kids today, my boys, they don't even play together because they playing with all of their friends who live in other parts of the country or in other parts of the city. So they don't even play together with the people in-house. They're playing with everybody outside of the house. And so I understand that, okay, it's a different day and time, but there are always some core and key principles that make communication effective. And kids need to be taught that. They need to understand that. Even with the invention of the cell phone, right now, we didn't grow up with caller ID or it's to see who was calling. So we had to say hello, and the person who answered, hi, this is so-and-so. Now when the person picks up, they just think you know who they are. So they just start talking. I'm, and I say, hold on, stop. Say hello. Introduce yourself. Let me know who you are. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> regardless of how things change technologically, there are still core things that are courteous, respectful, and or whatever that provide for effective communication. The kids need to know to have that balance so that they don't let new invention and innovation make us less able to communicate, to be understood, and to be effective in what we do. Because regardless of what you do, you got to be able to effectively communicate. And so I think that's important when dealing with our kids. That's a great description and expose, if you will, on effective communication. And while we are in this information age and the Internet of Things, which is designed to connect us, you just laid out some facts related to the fact that, hey, we are disconnected in some ways as well with the advent of technology and its advancements. In that same vein, do you think that a Christ-centered life is kind of passe with young people, or do you still see a strong desire for access and relationship with Christ or higher power in young people, particularly in this technological information age? I am seeing that they're more distracted. Now, they have a longing and want something more, but yes, I do think that technology has been more distracting, and it has kind of made us a little more arrogant in thinking we can do a whole lot more and be a whole lot more than what we really can do or be, to the point in the sense of, like you said, we don't really see a need for God. And I don't hear kids deny a God, that there's a God or higher being, but they don't see a relevance or a need for him even more now than before. Because right now, man, look, I could pick up my phone. I could be a YouTube star. We just went on a vacation with the family. And so we're in Orlando, and we're in the Nike outlet store. These two guys walk in, and I'm with my oldest son. They were in masks. And he says, Dad, I think those are the two TikTok stars. And I'm like, I'm saying, okay, how do you know? He said, I can just tell. So we go outside the store, and we're sitting out there waiting. And then they walk out. And my son says, hey, are y'all the TikTok stars? And they're like, yeah, to took off their mask. And it was them. And I said to my son, so he took a picture with them, and I said, it's amazing that we have TikTok celebrities, like people who are just going to school, and all of a sudden they get on the phone, they do this stuff, 
And all of a sudden, now they're celebrities. Instant status. Yeah, ain't been on a movie, ain't been on the news, not on TV, not doing a game show. I mean, they're just, they can get on their phone and create stuff and be famous. So a lot of kids, their ticket is they're going to make their own way now. They're going to do their own thing. They don't need the traditional route to things. They don't need everybody to help them. They can create their own worlds and become famous or accomplish whatever through social media. So you just sense this less of an interest in even recognizing the fact that all that you see that happens in this world, it doesn't just happen through technology. I mean, like there's a higher being here. Because they're so distracted and focused on what's in front of them, even more so now than ever. Uh, Wow. Wow. That's powerful. So with these distractions then, how is it best mitigated? What are, I guess, the keys to effectively communicating with young people, given this day and age we're in now? You can have instant celebrity, instant status, and you get this sense of, I can be a lone ranger and be self-sufficient in every capacity that there is to life. How do you say, wait a minute now, even in the midst of all of this, there's still messages that you need to get, still things need to seep into you, still things that need to be relevant on your radar as it relates to just the other important things in life. What is the key to communicating with young people today, given all those other factors? I would say that, one, you got to get their attention. Mm -hmm. You got to get their attention for them to even want to listen to you. And so there's a lot of ways that society and different organizations will use social media and technology to engage kids and get their attention, but nothing will ever beat or do better than one-on-one individual time with a young person. I think that we have to get their attention, and the only way that we're going to get their attention, because we can't compete with everybody else, we have to show up in their lives, let them know that we're here, and earn the influence and the respect and the rapport to where they will respond to you, respect you, open up to you, to allow you into their world, which means that we have to show up to where they are, and we have to sacrifice and be consistent with them and show them that we're genuine. And I think that that is the first thing because we just took some kids skating last night. And every time I'm with kids, I'm just reminded of, man, I got to spend more time with this kid. I got to do more time with this, with that, because why I have to earn the right to the things I'm seeing, the things I'm not aware of, that I just see behavior. I got to get beyond the surface here and understand what's going on so that I can have the influence to have some sit-down conversations. I was with one kid this past summer, and he's in my car, and so we're riding. And because he's here, I have his presence, I have his attention, and I have influence. I'm just asking him about, hey, what's going on at home? How are things going and everything? And he's the oldest of his siblings in this single-parent home and how his mom needs help around the house. So cutting grass and doing things like that. And I say, well, who cuts the grass? He said, well, my mom does. And how old is he? He is 13. Okay. And so I started having a conversation about helping him to understand that your mother is a single parent. It takes a lot for her to raise all of you, to feed all of you. She has to work and all this stuff, and she's tired, and she needs help. When I talk to him about how cutting the grass, without her having to ask you, beg you, (laughs) or force you to do it, how that is going to be 
loving to her, how that's going to help her, how that is going to be life-changing for her. Communicating support exactly. to her. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so I shared that with him. And so then I checked up with him some months later, and his mother's on the phone, and he's on the phone, and he said, yeah, I've been cutting grass. But now here's a single mother who's trying to raise her kids, but she's got a job. And there was one point she had COVID, and she didn't know how she was going to feed the kids because she had to stay away from them. And we ended up taking food by there one day. So that's how I found out. She was like, oh, it's a blessing because I was wondering how I was going to feed them. But in that conversation, that didn't happen. There was no technology. You know, people out in society is not teaching these values. But it was a one-on-one conversation. And it was a man to a young man helping him understand the role he needs to play and how he needs to support his mother. But if I didn't have that relationship, didn't spend that time, didn't earn that rapport, I wouldn't be able to have that conversation. Wow, wow. So you earn the right to be heard through relationship building. Correct. Wow. <laughs> you just dropped the mic with that one, bro. I, you know that. <laughs> there you go, folks. Hope you was blessed. <laughs> so how can, as we wrap up here today, because I don't want to monopolize all your time, how can people, you know, that are listening that say, you know what, dude was really, you know what I'm saying, spitting some stuff out today. I would like to get in contact with them. How can people best get in contact with you? The best way to reach me is through our email address, younglifemke at gmail.com. My mind went blank. Right. So that's one way. And then the other way is through our website, which is younglifemilwaukee.org. You can log on there, and then there's communication links that you can click and email us or contact us by phone. Awesome. Awesome. Any parting words, man, for our listeners? You've been dropping some gems today. Any parting things you want to leave with folks? There's one or two things. Hey, y'all, if nothing else, remember this. Yeah, I would say that in the lines of even what this whole podcast is about is about communication. And communication is the key to healthy and successful relationships, whether it's marriage, business, working with kids, whatever it is, we have to really grow and practice healthy communication, and being able to articulate how we think and feel and not lash out and just kind of be all over the place about things, but learn how to communicate and articulate things. And then I would also say that when it comes to working with youth, that youth need time, they need relationships, they need people that they can trust, that they know will be dependable, and that they can confide in and that can give them the right direction or advice that they need. They need to feel safe. And so I would say that anybody that wants to impact a teenager's life, you can't do that from just programs and different gimmicks. They need genuine life-on-lifetime and relationships. And as Tim said, they're not the future, they're the now. And we can't wait till tomorrow to get them ready to be in the leadership roles that they will be in society tomorrow. We got to start today. And so, and it's worth it and it will be a blessing to many people for generations. Wow, wow. There you have it, people. I mean, he laid it out. He laid it out. Don't let the smooth taste fool you. He ain't no joke. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so thanks so much for listening today. Remember to like, share, and subscribe to the Communication Guru Podcast, the Communication Guru Podcast, the Communication Guru Podcast. Also be on the lookout for the Morning Temperation Vlog which are inspirational words of encouragement and insights on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And then finally, if you have a communication issue that you may need assistance with, be it personal, organizational, business-wise, or otherwise, feel free to drop me a line at tim at timmcmurtryinternational, all one word, dot com. Tim at 
timmcmurtryinternational.com, all one word, with a brief description of what your issue is, and we can hop on a discovery call to see how we can help you mitigate that circumstance and situation. So, with that said, thanks again. Until next time, blessing and increase to you. Bam. Bam.